right. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you, and I appreciate the invitation to be here. What an exciting day it is. Always wonderful to, uh, to see the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, advance, to see uh, uh, servants of the Church install. And I wanted to come and, and talk to you about the subject of the servant of the Church. Now, the premise of the sermon is that we are all servants of the church, and I want to encourage us toward that end. So our passage that we want to look to is Acts chapter 6, and for time, we'll just look at verses 1 through 7. Probably a familiar passage to most of us, but we'll look at a couple aspects of this passage when it comes to um, being a servant of the church. So please give your attention now to the reading of God's holy and inspired and inerrant word in Acts chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. And the same pleased the whole multitude. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Whom they sat before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. We're thankful in the reading of God's word for the promise that we find in Isaiah chapter 55. In Isaiah 55, we find the promise, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven... And do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. It's a great encouragement to us as we come to God's word. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his blessing. Father in heaven, we come now to your word. We pray that you would be merciful to us. Uh, uh, please consider the weakness of the one who speaks and the weakness of the ears that hear. And Father, bless us now through your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would open your word to us and shine the light upon the Lord Jesus Christ and upon him alone. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, as we come to our passage there's one truth that we need to acknowledge. Sometimes we just forget things. And sometimes we have good intentions. We want to do something good, but we forget. Sometimes we forget things because we're busy. Uh, we just simply overlook something that needs to be done. And sometimes, here's where the fine line is that we need to talk about today. Sometimes we forget things because they're not important to us. And so when we forget something that needs to be done, the question is, is it really important to me? Should it have been done? Did I forget it because I really was busy? Or is it true that the thing that needed to be done 
wasn't important. We want to talk today about being a servant of the church. In our, our passages before us, we see a, a passage where there were those who needed to be uh, cared for. Uh, there was a, uh, an incident here in our passage where uh, folks needed to be ministered to, and they weren't. And so it, creates, it created a bit of a problem here uh, in the early church. And the problem is, is that those who needed to be cared for were not. Were they not cared for because of who they were? Our passage brings out the fact that there were difference uh, of opinion here. The, uh, uh, in, our, in our passage, there were different groups. There were the Grecians and the Hebrews. Were, was someone forgotten to be served simply because of who they were? Were those people truly not important? Or was this just an oversight? Well, I don't know the answer to that, but what I want to talk about today is being a servant of the church. You see, when we're servants of the church, we're thoughtful about the things that need to be done because the church is important to us. And so I want us to notice at the beginning, when we come to the blessed occasion today of installing a deacon, one of the things we want to talk about with a deacon as a servant of the church is that we don't have to train people to be servants. Being a servant of the church is a natural outworking of a love for the church within us. What we do train for uh, when it comes to uh, training deacons, we want uh, the deacon to understand the office. We want to do training so that we can grasp the doctrinal principles, to know the history, to be able to understand the responsibilities of a deacon. But what usually happens is when someone is already a servant of the church, the elders notice that. And then that person is sought out as perhaps someone who would be a good deacon. So in other words, I think this is kind of obvious, but in other words, we don't just say, well, hey, that guy looks good. Let's go to that guy, and then we'll make him a deacon, and then he becomes a deacon and has no idea how to serve the church. That's not usually how it works. You seek out someone. In our passage, uh, we can see a certain uh, type of person is sought out, and that is someone who is a servant. Uh, One of the things that I notice sometimes when I talk to young men um, talk to a, a particular, and I'm not just talking about deacons here. We talk to a young man who wants to go to seminary. Fantastic. You know, how exciting is that? It's, it's wonderful to talk to young men with that interest. But one of the first questions that I always ask, are you a servant of the church? Is the, the, the path you want to walk is not an easy path to be a pastor. Uh, there are a lot of things that will happen in your future that will make you uncomfortable. You have to do uncomfortable things. But we need to know ahead of time, are you a servant of the church? One of the questions that I've asked before, what have you done for the church? What have you done for the church? Just simply want to know an answer to that. And to a true servant of the church, it would be a long conversation because you could just list off all of the wonderful things that you do in service to the church. But sometimes that question takes people, uh, causes them to pause. Because sometimes a young man may want to become a minister or to seek office, and in actuality, they're not serving the church at all. And we need a wake-up call. It's not because that person is is wicked in their (laughs) neglect of the church. It's usually because we need a reminder. Sometimes when we forget things that are important, we need someone to remind us. And so that's really the purpose of the sermon today, is just to remind all of us that there are so many ways that we can serve the church of the Lord Jesus Christ from small things all the way up to the biggest things, whatever those things are. So being a servant sometimes is is a matter of a reminder. The idea uh, of serving the church then is applicable to everyone. And uh, 
hard jobs in the church that need to be done. Uh, sometimes we may not be paying attention. You know, someone needs to take out the trash. Someone needs to mow the grass. Someone needs to clean. Someone needs to do this. And no one ends up doing it. But we don't do it because we don't love the church. We're just not thinking about our priorities. So we want to talk a little bit about priorities today. We want to talk about uh, being a servant. So our passage before us is very interesting. The passage is actually applicable to someone like yourself who's seeking a deacon. But the passage is also applicable to a church without deacons. Because this passage is reminding us that these things should have been done even without deacons. But who was doing it? You see, the point of the passage is that when no one else does it, then the apostles had to step in, the elders would have to step in in our day to do the work that needs to be done. And then what happens when the pastor and the session are taken away from ministering to people and to their souls, preaching and teaching the word, then there's spiritual neglect in the church. And so what a wonderful truth that we learn here. This is actually really exciting for everyone in the church. Because you see, whenever you do something so small that people overlook, like taking out the trash or mowing the grass or whatever it is, you're actually contributing toward the spiritual feeding of the church. Because by doing those small things, you're allowing the elders and the pastor to focus their attention on the spiritual nourishment of the church. And so it might seem, well, this is a a passage that teaches us how how to go about getting a deacon. Well, it does do that, but it also is very exciting Because it shows me that there's no thing in the church too small for me to do. I can do those things. And I can contribute toward the spreading of the gospel. Wherever and anywhere in the world. And we're not all called to the spreading of the gospel in the same way. We're not all called to be pastors or elders. Or missionaries or whatever it is that we want to talk about in that category. We're not all called to that. But by doing something small. And what other people would say is menial or insignificant, we contribute toward the spreading of the gospel. And I love that about this passage. Actually, one of my favorite things about this passage is it shows us then that the small things we do as as servants in the church can contribute to great and wonderful things in the church. So our first topic then would be to ask the question, well, what is a servant? What are we talking about when we come to the, the topic of a servant? Well, I suppose the the best way to describe the servanthood that we're talking about is someone who puts the needs of other people ahead of themselves. One of the things you'll notice in everyday life is people who put other people first are usually those people that don't forget those things that need to be done. Because usually, and I'm going to put myself on the table, usually when I forget something that needs to be done for someone else, it's because I'm too wrapped up in myself. It's a selfishness thing. It's a pride thing. But the things that have priority, we want to talk about serving other people. A perfect example is before us in Philippians chapter 2. And here, of course, we we turn our attention to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Philippians 2, we have some good counsel for us in verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. 
And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. So I love this passage in connection with Acts 6 because it's pointing us to the Lord Jesus as our perfect example of servanthood. Now we aren't going to become the Lord Jesus here in the, in the, in, for what he's doing in the passage, but the humility of putting others first is the example that's for us. And so I want us to realize today then that uh, much like the fruits of the Spirit that we see in, Galatian, in the book of Galatians, we, we can't just turn a switch on being a servant. It's very hard to wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to be a servant today. Because if your heart isn't there and your heart is not leading you to servanthood, you'll probably forget within a few hours. You know, you don't wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to exhibit the, the fruits of the Spirit today. Well, we might overlook those fruits of the Spirit, but the reason you have those fruits is because the Spirit's in you. You don't just wake up and start doing things and you, and you, you go through the, the motions of having the, the works of fruits of the Spirit. Same thing with servanthood. It's hard to wake up in the morning and just become a servant. Being a servant will be the outworking of the Lord Jesus Christ in you and His Holy Spirit. You will be a servant because Christ is a servant. So I want us to look, uh, we have three points in the outline, really, you can see there on on the back page. We want to talk about servanthood from the perspective of loving the church, laboring for the church, and blessing the church. And so in our passage then in Acts chapter 6, In those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So in our passage, for whatever reason, whatever the background is, we can probably put some pieces together, but whatever is happening in our passage, people are overlooked. People are forgotten, and people are wounded. Feelings are hurt because they're not being served when they should be. So, one of the things we want to talk about then, being a servant, connected to love, uh, loving the church, we need to talk about love itself. Love will be a priority to us when we are good servants in the church. Now, one of the things we want to acknowledge today, and I think we're confessing, uh, when it comes to being a servant, when it comes to priorities, we're very bad at priorities in our time. In our age, especially uh, in in America and modern times, we are terrible at priorities. We're terrible at putting the first things first. And uh, we often get the things we should do. We may do the right things, but we do them all out of order. Well, real love helps us to order things. When we love people and we put people first, then we will put things in the right order. If we truly love a person, for example, if we truly love that person, we'll give them the proper place. We won't forget the service that we need to have toward that person. Now, one of the things I want to point out, though, and I briefly mentioned it, is we don't want to imply that no one was loved in this passage. We don't know the circumstances. What we're noticing is that they forgot to be served, or they just weren't being served. That's what we want to pay attention to in our lack of service. When we forget someone, why did we forget them? Let's drill down into that and realize, wow, I probably forgot to serve that person because I don't love them as I should. And that's a correctable problem. You know, I forgot isn't a correctable problem because you don't know why you forgot. In the business world, you drive down into that and you want to know why you forgot something. You want to try to fix the system. You want to fix the problem. 
And that's what we're talking about in our passage. If we, if we truly love someone, we won't forget. Do we love someone is the question that we're asking. You see, the church needs to have its proper spot. The people in the church need to have a certain priority in our lives. So failing to keep those priorities straight, in other words, can damage the church. We see an example of this in our passage, don't we? This is a, an awkward episode in the history of the early church. A lot of feelings were hurt in our passage. People were neglected. Bad things are happening because of the neglect that's happening in our passage. So a good servant of the church will recognize that, that those things can happen and they'll budget their time and their energy and they'll make things to be the right priority. So that's the question for you today is are you a servant of the church? You see, the Lord Jesus Christ is our perfect example of having the proper priorities. Love has to be a priority. Love also has to be a, last, a lasting love. Uh, a love that is not uh, here today and gone tomorrow. Love for the church will not flame out. A true servant of the church will never fall away, in other words. Now, uh, one of the problems we're facing in our time today, especially with all of the, the empty pulpits and uh, busy world in which we live, many ministers burn out. We're facing that as Presbyterians, as a denomination. It's a major problem that we're trying to deal with. And, but I think many of the men who, who have become burned out, who have grown weary, they may need a break, but many of these men are still in love with the church. A true servant of the church will not fall out of love with the church. A true servant of the church will love God's people. In John 6, we see an interesting example. Uh, in John 6, we see this this teeming crowd, people falling all over themselves to get to the Lord Jesus. But then something awkward happens. Jesus says something that they don't like in John chapter 6. And so many of those people turned around and went home. John chapter 6, verse 65. And uh, Jesus said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. And verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. You see, true love for Christ will be staying in the church, will be following Christ, and will be loving and serving those who are in the church. Real servants of the church want to be near God's people. Real servants of the church want to hear Christ, and they love the church. The church isn't perfect, though, but the church is the bride. And so it is, it's interesting that so many Christians want the church to be so pure, and we have that desire, all of us do. But then when the church isn't good enough, what happens to many Christians? They leave. When Jesus still holds on to and, and values a church that stumbles, a church that is weak, but many people abandon the church at the first sign of weakness. That's not real love. And it's not real servanthood. What we're talking about today, a real servant's heart, will be those who serve those who are weak. Sometimes our service in the church will be toward those who don't have the best doctrine, who don't know the best things to say or do, even those who are sinning against the church. When we're outreached with the church, involves all kinds of different people. Christ is a perfect example again, because when all else fails, the Lord Jesus Christ will still be faithful, and He still loves us. And so that perfect example is again in Christ. So we're focusing on love. We're saying then that love has to be a priority. But secondly, we've said that love has to be lasting. It has to be a real love. 
Well, thirdly, it has to be a love of humility. Real love is humble. Real love is humble. And I said we're bad at priorities. We're also really bad at being humble. Uh, humility is not exactly a strength uh, of the church in our day. It's not exactly, uh, for many of us, a strength at all. We struggle with humility. But you see, real servants of the church will do a better job at being humble than those who are not real servants. Now, as I mentioned, often, often serving others involves getting down into the trenches, rolling up our sleeves, doing things that other people don't want to do. Serving in the church might mean doing things that get us our hands dirty, things that are unattractive, things that other people want to forget. As we've said so far, the Lord Jesus is our perfect example. I love the passage in John chapter 13. It's a good one for us to focus on for a few moments on this subject. In John chapter 13, it's again a familiar passage. I wanted to weave several of these together. In verse 3 of John 13, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, uh, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took up a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. And then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do now, thou knowest not, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. But Jesus answered, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. And then Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Now again, I think that's a familiar passage to us. It's a little foreign to us. It's a little awkward because we don't understand the servanthood aspect of it. We don't wash feet in the same way in our culture. But this is an important passage for us to understand the servant aspect of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is near the end of Christ's ministry. This is right before the crucifixion. And the Lord Jesus comes together with his disciples and there's a need. You see, no one's washed each other's feet. They're not washing. They're not not washing each other's feet because they hate each other, or they're wicked, or they've they've uh, distracted by the world, that kind of a thing. It's just an oversight, likely. But the feet needed to be washed. So who's washing the feet? There's no priority to wash the feet. So the Lord Jesus gives us the model. Christ, our perfect example. I want to explore a couple of aspects of this passage because I think it's important for us to understand servanthood. You see, love is the root of true servanthood. We can't be good servants of the church if we don't love one another and we don't love the church. And the second aspect of this passage in John 13 is that there was a service to be done and no one was doing it. You see, if we want to meet the needs that people have, we need to make a plan. We need to make priority. We need to understand what it is that needs to be done, and we need to do that particular work. And this is one of the beautiful things about the office of deacon. Deacons are very good at noticing what needs to be done so that it doesn't get overlooked. That's what's happening in Acts chapter 6. And so it's a beautiful thing to see that office in place in the church because it's, it's helpful in that aspect so that things don't fall through the cracks. Good deacons don't let those things fall through because good deacons are good servants of the church. You and I, sometimes we get busy, we forget. Deacons don't forget. 
That's the job of deacon. The work gets done. And uh, that's the beautiful thing of the office itself. One more aspect of this particular example in John 13 before we leave it. What does Jesus do when he sees the need that needs to be done? The example that needs to be given. Jesus rises from the table. You see, that may be something that we overlook in our passage But the fact that the passage tells us that Jesus rose from the table is actually very significant to us in serving the church. Because oftentimes that's the thing that we don't do. We know there's a problem, we know there's a need, but we don't rise from the table to do it. And so this is our encouragement here in our passage. To be good servants, you've got to get up and do the work. You have to do it. You have to rise from the table. And I love the fact that we see that here in our Lord Jesus. We have to get up from the table to do the work of humility, when it's always usually more comfortable at the table than it is to be washing someone's dirty feet. But the service needs to be done. The humility is in place. The places that we avoid are maybe different in our culture, but they're things that need to be done. And that is our encouragement. Another interesting thing in our passage happens in verse 4 of, uh, of our John 13 passage. Not only does Jesus get up from the table, but Jesus also lays aside his garment in verse 4. And I find that to be particularly helpful to me in understanding true servanthood, because you see, Jesus had no problem with laying those things aside that got in the way of being a servant. And sometimes that's our problem, isn't it? There's so many things that stand in the way of being a true servant, and we won't lay those things aside to serve the church. What are the garments that have to be removed in order for you and I to gird ourselves with a towel for the washing of others? What are the garments that need to be laid aside? And put in more concrete terms, what needs to be done away with so that you and I will be better servants? What stands in the way of humility in your life in serving others? Now, sometimes we, we, we love this excuse that we're too busy But sometimes we're really too busy doing insignificant things. We're too busy with entertainment. We're too busy with our careers. We're too busy trying to fill our bank account to do the things that need to be done. But the Lord Jesus gives us the example that he is willing to lay aside what needs to be put out of the way in order to serve. I know we're going our way through several passages here, but there's another interesting passage In the same time period, as they're coming together before the Lord's crucifixion, in Luke chapter 22, in a passage where Christ is instituting the Lord's Supper, in Luke 22, 24, it's fascinating because it's in the same time period as our passage that we just read from John chapter 13. In Luke 22, verse 24, there arose a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth. Is is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. So the Lord Jesus is giving us, in this same time period, probably at the same meal, he's telling, isn't that fascinating? As, as Jesus is washing their feet, another gospel account tells us they were arguing about who was greater. 
Very humbling, because we see that problem amongst ourselves. So the Lord Jesus tells us here that the one who's serving is greater. And so in a, in a certain sense, then those greatest servants in the church are, are the most important parts of things getting done in the church. They're great, according to the Lord Jesus. What's notable here with Luke and this Luke passage is the great pride among the disciples. Disciples may not realize that that they're being prideful, but they certainly are. They're arguing about who is greater when Jesus is about the business of washing feet. So humility is an issue that we struggle with in being a good servant. Uh, Pride is our sin. But there are some physical aspects to servanthood. And I mentioned a few of those, some things that we need to lay aside. Sometimes we just simply need to lay aside our busyness in order to care for others. Now, if we're too busy, why? What are we doing that's making us to be too busy to serve? Maybe work is keeping us from servant work. Maybe our entertainment is keeping us from servant work. One of the interesting things, and to me this is very convicting in our passage, is to notice in our, our, our passage before us, how busy was Jesus? You see, the Lord Jesus was preparing to go to the cross. Probably one of them, just the, the, uh, the sheer weight of the things that are happening in his life. And the Lord Jesus shows us the importance of servanthood. And so what that tells me, and why I feel so convicted with the passage, is I can't say I'm too busy to serve. Because Christ wasn't too busy to serve. We also need to take up the work of humility. In our our passage in verse 4, we see that the Lord Jesus took a towel, he girded himself, and then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. So we have to actually do the work. I think that's another point of application in our passage. We can't just talk about it. We can't just work it into our theology and talk about it all day. We have to do it, and it's very important. Well, that's really most of our attention that I wanted to focus on this afternoon, but we have three points. But the first point really covers most of the aspects of what we need to talk about. We also want to talk about laboring in the church. Laboring in the church is something that requires priority. Not everyone is going to want to labor in the church. So sometimes we have to do more labor than others. It takes priority. It takes a willingness. And it, it takes a conviction to do the work that needs to be done in the church. And far too often we don't have those things in line in our lives. So if you want to do labor in the church, first have to work on the love issue, second the priority issue, the willingness problem, and then the conviction to do the work. Because sometimes we do things in the church and nobody even notices. We don't get a plaque because we took out the trash. We just do the work. And there's sometimes no thanks. Sometimes ministers labor long in the pulpit. Elders labor long in their work and nobody says thank you. Be thankful for servants in the church. Express your gratitude toward your new deacon, toward your elders, toward your pastor, and show them how much you appreciate their work. That's one of the things that we see in all of our our poor brothers who've expressed burnout in the church. Sometimes they just don't, they feel neglected. They don't feel that there's been thanks expressed for their work. Let's not make that to be a common thing. Express your gratitude toward those who serve. Our last aspect here in our outline, we've really already touched on, but it's the aspect of being a blessing to the church. When we give of our time, when we give of our income, when we give of our talents, 
and we give of our heart, those things are a huge blessing to the church. So many wonderful things come about because of people giving to the church. And I know I've talked about uh, small things, uh, taking out the trash, mowing the grass, just sort of a cliche examples. But you know that there are a thousand different things that need to be done in the church. And they all have to get done and somebody has to do them. And the reason we're focusing on that is because of what we learn in our passage before us in Acts chapter 6. It's our primary point that even the smallest works that servants do in the church can have lasting, eternal, spiritual impact. You matter when you serve the church. Now, that may not be the case when you do these things at your job or in the world. Of course, we are called to do those things in those places. But when it comes to the church, we're talking about eternal things. We're talking about then freeing up our elders to preach the gospel and to do the work of evangelism and ministry in the world. Serving tables. It's not exactly glamorous in Acts chapter 6. But serving tables allowed the elders to turn and to give their attention to blessing people spiritually. And I love the way that our passage actually concludes in verse 7. And the word of God increased. I don't think that's an accident. I don't think that that's there without some kind of connection to verses 1 through 6. The word of God increased because now there were servants in the church that were helping the elders and helping uh, the apostles in their preaching. The word of God increased. The number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. You see, isn't that interesting? That's evangelism too. So all of these priests, they were able to come into the church because of the work that was being done in serving tables. My friends, today there is no work too small. There is no work too small. Do the small things. Do the things that are, may seem to be insignificant to the world. What a beautiful, beautiful truth is before us in our passage. If these men don't serve the tables, then the elders can't serve as they ought. Sometimes people think, i make this final point, Sometimes people say, well, the church isn't what it should be. And they get mad at the church, and they leave the church, and they want to say, well, it's the elders' fault. Well, sometimes it is. But sometimes the church isn't doing what it should do because the congregation is not serving as they should serve. You see, there's a connection here. And the, again, the beautiful thing that our passage shows us is that there are so many ways that everyone can serve in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it can have spiritual significance. Let's close with some questions. How can we measure if we're a servant of the church? Well, this isn't too difficult of a question to ask. Look back on your life. Look back on all your years in the church. Do you see a deep love for the church? Or is the church just something that's just a background? It's there, but my life goes on without it. You see, when you're truly in love with the church, you'll be able to see your labors that you've given for the church over the years. And that's what we're asking about today. Do you labor for the church, or does the church labor for you? You see, we come to look at things here like, well, sometimes people just come to church and they feed off of the church and then they go home. They come to church, they feed off the church, they go home. They come to church, they feed off the church, they go home. 
And many, many Christians live their lives like that with the idea that that's what the church is for. It's to feed me. But they don't see their role and the service that they can give in the church. Sometimes we see this in tithing. People decide, well, I don't need to tithe. I don't need to give. But how do you take, take, take from the church and then never see that the things you need to give need to be given back to the church? The church has to function. We have to have lights and heat and air conditioning and things in bad weather. We have to pay our pastor. And if we don't give, we can't see those things uh, mature and grow in the advancement of Christ's kingdom. So sometimes being a servant of the church means taking care of the basics, just giving what you should give, and then doing the work that needs to be done. Now, one of the things that I want to always try to do is, is I don't know uh, all the members of the congregation today, so I never know if there's someone who's apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. When we come today together to hear the gospel preached, there may be someone here who is apart from Christ. If you're apart from Christ, your entire existence is about serving yourself. Even if you try to do good, good deeds in the community, you try to do whatever in the community, you're serving yourself. And what a beautiful thing it is to see true servanthood in the church. If you're apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, you're a stranger to true servanthood. And you actually don't know what it means to serve. If you're apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, you're apart from the only way of salvation and eternal life. And so I call you today in the hearing of God's holy word to repent and to believe and to become a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. My encouragement to each of us today and certainly to a very wonderful aspect of our service here of having a new deacon, all of us need to be better servants. We're all servants of the church. Some of us serve in different capacities, but we should all be servant. Never look at yourself apart from the idea of service. The more our eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ, the more our eyes are upon the one who is the true and perfect servant. And if we're not serving others, it's possible we've taken our eyes off of Christ. Because how can we have our eyes trained upon the Lord Jesus, the perfect servant? And not serve. So we need to make that connection with our passage, and we need to be better servants in the church. Would you stand with me as we pray? Let me close in prayer. Father in heaven, grant to us that we would be better servants in the church. And we pray that you would break our hearts for these small uh, deeds that need to be done. Help us in the doing of them. Uh, help us to be like the Lord Jesus, that we will be willing to get out from the table that we'd be willing to set aside the things that get in the way and that we would do the work. Father, help each of us, we pray, uh, to be better servants in the church. And we pray that you would help us to apply your word and to see the great and joyful, beautiful picture uh, of servanthood in the office of deacon. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.